It's been a while since her last episode and I do apologize for the MIA. For those who came late, I'm in the midst of a major transition. Major changes happening in my life and so putting an episode out every second week has been a bit of a challenge for those of you who subscribe to my newsletter. There are a few details. You can subscribe to my newsletter, by the way, at findpl.com or on the tapasyaloading.com website or on the holisticpianoacademy.com website. Which brings me to my current update. The holisticpianoacademy.com website has gone into beta mode. There are a few courses up online which you can buy. In fact, there's a new coupon out for you. Those of you who would like to try these courses out for a beta version, please go to holisticpianoacademy.com slash podcast. So that's holisticpianoacademy.com slash podcast and you'll get a 25% discount on any of the courses there. I also have a free gift for you, as always, a free practice log, which you can also download from the website, which is just holisticpianoacademy.com. Just go there, wait for the pop-up and put your email address in and you, you get a direct download. Okay, moving on to our guest today, Ali Morali. As most of our guests on this show, his story speaks for itself. But I do want to uh, take a minute to thank Ali again for coming on and talking about his experiences, which are extremely relevant to the current side, guys, as you'll probably know yourself. Yeah, Ali and I go back. Uh, we talk about that too. And um, yeah, long story cut short. Enjoy the show. And don't forget to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're coming to the end of the second season. Without much further ado, Ali Morali. Hello fellow beings, welcome to Tapasya Loading, a safe space to attempt honest, raw and authentic conversation in homage to the ancient act of stoking a sacred fire. FYI, we are rolling. Ali, it's good to hear you again, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity and it's good to hear you, my friend. It's been a long time. The honor is all mine, my friend, and indeed it has been a long time. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? All things considered, I'm doing pretty good, I'd say. How about yourself? Glad to hear that. Well, I'm I'm very well. I'm very well. Excellent. Uh, despite all the difficult circumstances that we had been through uh, during the last two years, um, I shouldn't be complaining at all. That's good to hear. Mm. I usually start this podcast off with a bit of a reminiscence on how I've met my guest. Yeah, that sounds lovely. <laughs> Especially in our case, it's quite ironic. Um, I believe we met when a common friend of ours brought you to have a look at my apartment in uh, right. Mannheim, a city we both used to live in, because I was about to move to Berlin. Yes, yes, right, and right. Such a beautiful apartment, by the way. I was, <laughs> Indeed. I was taken by it. Indeed. I was taken by it for a while, too. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, I did have a few heartstrings pulled when I left that apartment. I will. I miss it sometimes, um, I will admit. Mm, mm. The, the irony is now you live in Berlin. Yeah, well, you see, I, um, we, we've been talking about this for, uh, for long times, uh, since, we, since we met, actually, about the importance of Berlin um, and as a as a destination for for artists and musicians, and uh, ever since I uh, I truly wanted to come to Berlin, 
Yeah. But I was hesitant because um, I wanted to um, uh, move to Berlin, knowing that I have some sort of a, a solid ground to step on. Yes. So I've been um, looking for a, a teaching job opportunity around, and um, uh, luckily I found one. And uh, that was um, actually also almost a random coincidence because I, uh, at that time, I wasn't very much focused on the on the issue. But uh, um, it seems that um, what it meant to happen, it will happen somehow uh, sooner or later. So, um, yeah, sure. And um, it is it is a great place to be. To be honest, and um, it has the potential to to play um, a historical role, uh, whether in the um, in future politics or future culture or future art. Um, and and I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be part of that uh, very um, vibrant and active society nowadays. I'm very happy for you, man. I'm very glad to hear that. Thanks, and looking forward to having you here. Yes, Sooner thank you, later, thank you. Rather than later. Yeah, um, I, I really uh, resonate with that sentiment. Thank you, appreciate it. Mm. Um, I have been living part-time in Berlin since 2020, especially since uh, my nomadic lifestyle was cut short through due to travel uh, uh, restrictions. So uh, before I moved to India temporarily in uh, last year in December, that's where I am currently. I mm. was uh, I was uh, 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 spending a lot of time in Berlin. Uh, I was just about to make the move in March, um, and then yeah, you know how it's been. Things have been a little chaotic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's good to know you. You sound very much at home in Berlin, and I'm not surprised. Yes, it has that um, magic. Uh, it uh, helps you uh, um, quickly and uh, easily to constitute um, what might mean home to you, uh, s- especially when you identify with uh, with the atmosphere, with the energy, um, with the uh, cultural and political climate um, that the city is producing nowadays. Um, uh, it is my uh, Athens, as Athens used to be uh, Socrates' favorite place to be. So uh, I feel at home, but also I uh, feel somehow uh, enriched and energized by the um, uh, abundance of ideas, of um, diversity, um, and all... Uh, it seems to me so far that it really um, uh, plays a genuine role uh, for Berlin to be in the future a um, a stronghold for all what we are fighting for, uh, whether as artists or as um, a generation that uh, is facing tremendous challenges. And uh, I hope that this um, relationship to this city or with this city, if you want, uh, is going to be um, even more s- strong 
and more significant and it will somehow uh, materialize into real production and real um, activeness if you if you want yes. um, and not only um, a nice place to hang uh, out around and to meet people and to socialize but to produce social action yes. out of this um, uh, uh, social atmosphere yes yeah, I completely resonate with that, uh, with you, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Actually, especially post-pandemic, I've been very touched by Berlin and its attitude towards the entire situation. Um, I, I remember talking uh, with you uh, about this in the past as well, about how both of us, at a certain time, much earlier, uh, pre-pandemic, of course, the whole hype mm-hmm. around Berlin was something we were both a little skeptic about at the time. And uh, it's very evident Berlin's really shown its true character, especially since the pandemic hit, in standing up for its values and just being the city it is. And uh, yeah, I completely get it, completely get it. Yeah, well, um, I should say also that the pandemic has stripped some, uh, some of that magic or some of that agency from Berlin because uh, we uh, maybe... Almost every uh, metropolitan, cosmopolitan city has suffered a little bit during the pandemic because of uh, the absence of this um, social and human interaction, um, which uh, for which this uh, city uh, has been known for a while. Indeed. And uh, but let's hope that this was only um, a stage that is going to be surpassed. Um, at the soonest future. Yes, amen to that. Fingers crossed, brother. Yeah. I'd like to start with, I mean, you, your life is the material worth novels. I mean, we, we both know that. It's the kind of uh, biography people would, you know, jump at the chance uh, of to, to write about, um, which is why I'm all the more uh, honored to have you on uh, tonight. Um, where would you suggest we best start? Where are you best, uh, most comfortable starting? Um, uh, are, are you comfortable talking about your earlier years in Damascus, your earlier memories? Is that something we can talk about? Sure, sure. Um, I grew up, um, uh, let's put it in the, in the musical context, uh, probably for... Absolutely. For um, being... M- able to um, uh, direct the, my my narrative or my um, uh, yes. story. Yes, I support that. I respect that. Yeah. So I, I was born in Damascus uh, to a middle upper class, I would say, that uh, was naturally um, oriented towards uh, classical music mm-hmm. um, which as for for um, someone who is not familiar with uh, post-colonial societies uh, whether in the Middle East or or in the East uh, or anywhere in the world um, it is very normal to have uh, middle class uh, upper class families who have a um, 
let's say, Western orientation as far as culture is concerned. Uh, it means that uh, they m might be listening to classical music at home, mm -hmm. also sending their kids to learn uh, Western classical instruments. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in this environment, uh, and um, although I should say that my grandfather who is the, the, the father of my mother, used to be um, a renowned uh, oriental musician, composer, singer, and also an archivist wow. who played a significant role in um, uh, doing this ar archival effort to um, c conceive and uh, refurnish and reproduce the um, uh, vocal tradition of the city of Damascus during the 50s and 60s. Wow, so a vocal so tradition had specific to Damascus, the city, or Syria? To Damascus. Wow. To Damascus, mainly to Damascus as far as I know. Um, and uh, his efforts was uh, translated through uh, several radio uh, broadcast, um, very uh, well known during the time, the 50s, the 60s, uh, through which he um, represented those uh, old songs, uh, rewritten, uh, re-edited, uh, re-orchestrated, and also performed wow. um, to the Syrian uh, audience. But uh, this grandfather, whose name is Mustafa Hilal, mm -hmm. uh, passed away before I was born. Mm -hmm. So I grew up um, mainly uh, fascinated with classical music. How that I happen? used to listen. And, and we are well, referring to. Uh, that, sorry, I interrupt you. There's a, just so you mm -hmm. know, there's a slight latency um, uh, on the reception always. So please forgive me if I end up interrupting you every now and no then. No worries. It's it's, uh, it's not on purpose. Um, may I ask you? Uh, are we referring to European classical music, or are we referring to? Um, I'm just trying to clarify, especially for my audience. When you say classical music. Um, could you give us a few names or specifics? Yes, sure. What, what I mean by classical music is basically Western classical music. Okay. Um, the, the classical music tradition that has been written uh, between the um, 1600s until the um, nowadays 21st century, including contemporary uh, classical music. Right. And... Uh, Back to your question, why I was particularly uh, interested or fascinated um, with this um, genre. Um, as I said at the beginning, uh, my family uh, was, um, ev since I was born, I had that um, feeling that the family and also not only my, my parents, but also my grandparents and the whole history of the family. Mm -hmm. um, had pivoted to the um, Western classical tradition, whether it was music or uh, thought, philosophy or literature. And I used to remember, uh, just put it on in a more personal um, uh, context, I used to remember my father uh, 
uh, who uh, never was uh, a professional musician. He used to work for uh, Lufthansa, among um, other airlines. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and but not as a pilot, but as a, as a ground office. Um, if if I put it right, you know, like uh, in a in a bureau. Mm-hmm. So uh, he used to have a little collection uh, on uh, uh, tapes, cassettes, and it was like a, com- a collection of the masterworks. Uh, of classical music, uh, such as uh, symphonies by Beethoven, uh, Mozart. Um, also, uh, interestingly enough, uh, so many uh, violin concertos. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I started listening to those masterpieces um, at a very early age, even, even before I uh, was destined to learn the violin. So I remember listening to um, Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, Beethoven Violin Concerto, Paganini Violin Concerto, when I was uh, seven or eight years old. So uh, my uh, mother and my father, as a as a a typical uh, upper middle class family, wanted me to have. Uh, to learn to, to be able to learn an instrument, so mm-hmm. I was sent to the music school in Damascus, which was which used to be the only music school at the time. Right. And uh, I remember that I had wished to learn the piano, but the huh. director at at the time managed to uh, convince my mother that it would be better for me to pick up the violin. Do you remember what reasons he cited? Actually, I don't know, but uh, probably he was uh, maybe uh, suffering uh, so too much interest um, uh, in the piano in particular. And he wanted just to diversify instruments in the music school. So uh, there wasn't any... uh, real reason or artistic or musical reason in in my opinion he just wanted to convince more parents to choose the the violin whereas uh, most of them wanted to have the piano maybe because it's a, uh, it's a more fancy instrument it's more a kind of a um, a, a status uh-huh. uh, to, to to play the piano I don't know oh yeah I can relate with that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. And my mother was easily convinced, and I uh, I wound up uh, learning the violin, which turned to be a, a, a great blessing at Indeed. the end. Indeed, I'd mm. say so too. So, for our audiences, um, how common is it for a regular Syrian boy at the time to have been growing up with the kind of music you grew up with? Um, It wasn't uh, so uncommon, uh, namely in the major cities. Uh, We have three major cities in Syria, or let's say four, um, where I I assume there there were always... um, uh, interested uh, mainly uh, mm, 
middle-class families in music, whether um, as listeners or um, as uh, individuals who really wanted to learn to play and even to become professional musicians as well. And those cities are uh, the capital, Damascus, um, mm -hmm. and uh, also Aleppo, which is known for a long, long, long history of um, affiliation with music in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, music and, and cuisine, by the way, you know, since, since the Middle Ages. Nice. And there is also uh, Latakia, on the seaside and and Homs, the the central uh, the, the capital of the central or the city of the central province uh, in Syria. So in these four major cities, um, there have been so many um, uh, families, mainly from the middle class to the upper class, upper middle class, who who wanted to send their kids to learn uh, music. Uh, whether it was uh, whether it was uh, oriental music, uh, traditional music, or uh, classical Western music. Nice. And the the, the interesting thing from my observation um, that um, mainly classical Western music never uh, it was it was it was a, a novelty for for Syri for the Syrians, unlike the. Um, the situation in in Europe, for instance, where this music uh, was uh, born and uh, developed, because uh, we didn't have that uh, traditional um, association with classical music, so it was conceived as or perceived as something novel. So um, most of the, for instance, younger generation. Uh, used to have used to be very interested in hearing classical music, in attending classical music concerts. Yeah. And um, but please go ahead. No, may I, um, uh, in in that same vein of thought, may I request you to take us through some of your experiences, um, how, how they were, what was it like back uh, at the time to be studying at these music schools, um, oh. Um, the one you were in, and eventually the conservatory. You want to take us through that part of your life? Some memories? Yeah, sure. Um, at the beginning, I wasn't uh, so much um, um, focused on becoming a professional musician. When I was um, in my early teens, mm -hmm. 13 or 14 years old, I even uh, wanted to... Um, uh, quit the violin and start a whole new instrument. Uh, I was um, so much um, captivated by um, rock music and um, uh, the golden age, the 70s, and, and I wanted to learn the electric guitar. And I wasn't taking music anyway at, at any level at that time, uh, really as a professional path for the future. Hmm. The transition uh, started uh, late when I was uh, 16 years old. Right. So um, that's why I, I would um, um, divide um, those years like pre-16 years old and after 16 years old because before that uh, particular age, um, I, was, I was always... Um, uh, um, 
I was able to um, um, deal naturally with music. I never had any problem learning a piece, for instance, or I never really recall any difficulty uh, playing the violin. Uh, regardless how good or, or, or bad I sounded at that time. But uh, music felt always very natural to me. Amazing. But this didn't mean by any uh, way that I really wanted to become a professional musician. But the thing is that um, since um, when I came 16 years old and when I uh, w uh, was introduced to my... Um, lifelong violin teacher and mentor um, who uh, was a Russian teacher. Mm -hmm. And to put this also in context, uh, Syria had a cultural uh, mm, partnership with uh, the Soviet Union at the time and right. afterwards with Russia. Uh, and we used to import um, what we, uh, we called them at the time uh, Russian experts, and they were um, uh, mm -hmm. academically trained uh, musicians, teachers, who um, used to teach in both music school and the Higher Institute of Music, as well as uh, playing in the Syrian Symphony Orchestra. Interesting. Yeah, so um, the musical education, the Western classical musical education, in Syria was formed and established by either Russian teachers or teachers from the ex-Soviet republics. Right. So the pedagogical concepts that were used and the manner in which you were trained during your education was also the Russian school of uh, approach? Very Russian. Very Russian. Although my teacher... Uh, Evgeny Loginov. Um, he was a, a very a peculiar kind of a, a Russian teacher. He wasn't a conventional one. Mm -hmm. um, although he was um, he was um, well um, acquainted and well trained, well educated in the Soviet era, but he uh, had uh, also aspects uh, where he was very open. Uh, towards different styles, towards different um, way of understanding music. I never, uh, that's what also made me um, very much uh, um, attracted to become a, uh, a musician because I always was a very um, individual in the way I think and the way I, I perceive the world as well as the way I want to interpret music. Yes. And uh, my teacher, Yevgeny Loginov, really never interfered or tried to um, uh, be against the way of my interpreta interpretation. Mm -hmm. Rather, he was trying to help me realizing my own uh, musical ideas, if you want. Awesome. So he wasn't um, fully authoritarian uh, pedagogue. Nice. Uh, the way we um, tend to um, imagine. 
Was that something uh, you were aware of at the time um, itself, or did you realize later on um, how, you know, uh, privileged, for lack of a better term, that was? That's that's very intelligent uh, for you uh, from you to ask, actually, because yes, I think this is a this is more of a recollection, mm -hmm. uh, because at, uh, when I was especially at the early stage um, of our relationship, I uh, it was a very antagonistic time, to be honest. I was I was um, um, resisting. Um, I was uh, very much um, all the time trying to, um, um, on one side, I believed in his, um, let's say, technical toolbox, mm -hmm. because he offered me a wonderful technical toolbox I can imagine. that is um, resilient, uh, flexible, mm. and has the ability to help you to evolve not only musically but also technically mm -hmm. you know that's how i uh, felt uh, at the very early stage although it was very difficult for me i mean um, i had to really work uh, um, hours long a day practice hard but i always trusted his uh, technical approach. Mm. But that antagonistic uh, relationship um, went uh, along until I, mm, until I was maybe in my late 20s, when I had chance to um, have a year abroad in France. It was my first um, contact uh, as a student with Uh, the um, European uh, School of Music, the Western mm -hmm. European School of Music. I, mm -hmm. I spent a year in France, in Lyon. It was a, it was a, um, a scholarship uh, granted by the um, French um, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Mm -hmm. And there I realized um, how wise and how open-minded everything um, my teacher in Damascus taught me. Beautiful. And that all what I have learned, all what I have accumulated, had the possibility or the potential to evolve and not to confine me, uh, whether uh, technically or musically, and disrupt me from... Um, Um, developing my uh, music cap musical capacity. That was a late conclusion, to put it this way. How long had you been studying with him by this time? Well, that was uh, it was long time because um, I knew uh, from the beginning that as long as I am uh, still uh, living and studying in Damascus, um, he was the one to go to uh, if I want to. Um, improve and mm -hmm. progress as musicians. So we kept our uh, pedagogical and musical relationship for uh, almost until I left the country. 
So I started um, under in his class when I was still in the music school, later on when I was in the Higher Institute of Music, and even after I was uh, a graduate student, I still remember that I used to uh, visit him at home and have uh, hours-long uh, lessons without any charge. I mean, uh, he, he never charged me for any money. Wow. Um, spending hours, uh, sometimes even not even, it wasn't even a lesson, but as if two of us rehearsing together. It was almost like practicing together. Beautiful. For hours long. And that, that this um, long relationship made my technical foundation somewhat very solid and very flexible and resilient at the same time. Sounds like a real mentor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, like every mentor, every real mentor, you only realize that um, when you look at your relationship um, in, in retrospect. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, um, the, the days that we spent together w weren't always um, uh, sweet and... and uh, and peaceful. We had so many fights. We had so many uh, objections. I was rebelling sometimes. I was um, uh, not complying sometimes. But maybe that's also a part of the whole uh, creative process, you know, because artists has to evolve as individuals. Indeed. And uh, therefore, they have to question They have to uh, be skeptical. They have to try to subversively relearn and unlearn Indeed. what they are encountering Indeed. in life. So I think that was, when I look at it now in retrospect, although it was very exhausting for both of us, but um, it was a part of the, of the real process, if you want. One last question to this uh, very important relationship you had with your mentor. How would you usually deal with the moments of conflict, the both of you? It's, um, well, when I, when I used to be, when I still used to be his pupil, um, I wasn't very much able uh, still to manage conflicts, to be honest. So, mm -hmm. um, I, um, I either uh, mm, try to, uh, to um, refuse or reject everything he, he was trying to tell me, mm -hmm. or I was uh, trying to force myself to, to 100% comply. So it was, uh, right. a, it was a very um, um, unsettling um, emotions for me at that time but uh, the thing is that the only thing that kept me um, um, within this process was my full conviction which turned to be correct uh, when I when I look at uh, my my biography now in retrospect mm -hmm. that um, I saw in my pedagogical relation and artistic relationship uh, with my mentor the only path out of 
mediocrity. Mm. I knew that what uh, Evgeny Loginov offered to me is not only um, to play the violin uh, in a decent manner, but also to be able to think in a better way, to, to learn how, um, as uh, the um, genius uh, filmmaker Stanley Kubrick once put it, to be able, um, capable of problem solving. And this uh, capability of problem solving exceeded or extended out of the musical realm in my life. Yes. So, and that's something I, and that's what, uh, uh, that's exactly what uh, uh, Evgeny Loginov used to call uh, in his, in his uh, Russian accent, uh, professionalism, mm -hmm. like professionalism. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not only about learning the instrument, it's, it's about to learn it's about to learn how to become a true professional. Yes. So it was not only about uh, music, it's also about work ethics. So true. And uh, about um, personal development. Mm. Probably I, um, I, afterwards, I uh, developed my personality not 100% according to his view or to his um, approach. But the thing is that the early grains of um, that um, quest for um, excellence, quest for um, personal development, quest for uh, evolving and progress were planted and uh, watered through our relationship in Damascus. Beautiful, man. That's a very inspiring account. I can intimately relate, um, Fahmishir. Um, looking back now, my mentor in college too was a gentleman called uh, Gary Barone. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't study piano with him. I studied uh, mostly ensemble work and improvisation and arrangement mostly with him. Because uh, I never really got along that much with my piano teachers per se and now almost over i mean over a decade later i realized that my he was my true mentor because it's like you just said it's it's not just about playing an instrument it's about your entire approach to music its connection to your personality your work ethic your mindset it's now that I, after almost 20 years that i realized that was the guy who really mentored me you know, um, right. the rest of the lessons I'd taken, they were just instrumental lessons and technique and theory. But my true mentor mm. at that phase of my life was that guy because he really taught me how to approach that entire system or ecosystem, you know, and how to be part of it. Where's your role and how do you fulfill mm. it in an authentic manner? So it's good to hear you talk about your mentor. That Beautiful. Point. And how long? Uh, that relationship um, lasted? Um, almost 10 years because uh, I started off studying mm. with him. I played under his uh, tutelage in the, the college big band, the smaller one. And mm. after a couple of years, I started working with him. He uh, had me play, sit in on some of his gigs. And even after I quit college, we had a working band. We'd rehearse once a week. 
for a while mm. before I eventually left Freiburg and moved to Mannheim. So yeah, a decade, and we kept uh, kept in touch even afterwards. I remember uh, when I released my first solo album, he was the only teacher from college who got back to me and said, "Hey, this is uh, you know, you need to take this music out there." Even though mm. my first album had nothing to do with the kind of music we'd studied in college, so that's the mark of a true artist, you know. And somehow those those mentors also have the um, have the the capability of allowing us to um, break up with them somehow or or transcend. Exactly, they let you go. They don't try and control you. Absolutely, and I'm fully able and capable now to do my personal critique of everything he had told me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am fully able to um, never take anything that I learned from him for granted, although I appreciate every single uh, informa- piece of information that he told me. It's a, it's a fascinating, multifaceted relationship that allows you uh, somehow to break loose and find your own path. Indeed. Um, yeah. Yep, I hear you. It's a stark contrast to teachers who just have like uh, like some protocol they follow and just want to make sure mm. the students follow that so they can just go back home and, you know, tick that box off with the consolation of having done their job. You know, Germany has this mm. concept of Dienst duty. It's, uh, yeah, there, there is a risk some musicians or teachers especially run of falling prey to that trap. But mm. moving on, um, yeah. take us to what happens next. Was this, uh, this, was your, this was your mentor at the conservatory, is that right? Mm. Yes, yes. Later on, I, I was very, very much active um, in the musical scene in Damascus. Yes, um, yes. I, um, well, uh, probably you can imagine that um, Damascus is a, is a, or Syria as a country is pretty much a, uh, a juvenile uh, country when it, as far as music, classical music is concerned. I mean, the, the, the classical music scene is um, um, pretty much, I would say, 60, 50, 60 years old mm. by now. Mm. And the... Um, uh, the the higher institute of, uh, higher institute of music in Damascus was established in the early nineties, right? And after a couple of years, the symphony orchestra was founded. So my generation, and maybe one generation before me, um, are the early um, uh, professional musicians in in the whole history of the of the country. Amazing. And we used to be um, uh, a, a group of uh, not so many people. And we had to do almost all the tasks. You know, you, 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 had, you have to um, play in the symphony orchestra because otherwise they, there, there aren't so many violinists who, who might... Um, take this job uh, and you have to be the teacher in the music school and you um, and after the the, the, the Russian teachers uh, were uh, evacuated or left the country um, in the wake of the civil war 
the um, graduates and sometimes even the students of the higher institute um, had to become the teacher, had to replace them. So it's very much unlike um, the um, the market scene in in, in in the West, where there are whole, so many musicians and um, so few uh, vacancies, um, and it's very difficult to pursue a career. It's a highly competitive scene. Um, the the picture is completely different, um, and, and especially in my time. Like, um, maybe afterwards we had uh, more interest and therefore more students um, enrolled in our um, conservatory. But in my time, I ha we had to do, me and my colleagues uh, had to do all the work. So uh, each one of us was very much um, active in all different um, fields in all different sections. Um, I was teaching at a very young age, even before I was a graduate. Um, I was playing the orchestra even when I was still a student. Um, even when I was uh, still a student, in the mu uh, was a pupil in the music school, not, not before, even before I uh, joined uh, the High Institute of Music. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, we, um, we were quite busy. And um, our audience, um, and namely um, in the time during uh, in the early t uh, 2000, when when the when the uh, Damascus Opera House uh, was officially opened, we had um, a tremendous audience of young enthusiasts who regularly attended our concerts. Uh, you could uh, see the, the halls full, um, concerts are fully booked, and as I um, told you at the beginning, uh, classical music never was never really regarded as a, as a conservative art form, wow. as something for either for the bourgeois or for the, for the older generation, mm -hmm. rather it was a very novel thing. And our audience was always um, um, from uh, stu university students or youngsters who uh, came with passion to listen to some to something new, to something fresh. And that's something uh, I truly miss nowadays because, mm. unfortunately, classical music has uh, become confined to that conservative uh, ecosystem if you want mm. while my my experience or my encounters in Damascus when I was still there was completely different I can imagine mm. so I uh, I kept working um, I, I used to give solo concerts I used to play in the symphony orchestra I used to teach in the, in the music school and I was also um, a writer so um, I used to write weekly columns um, wow. um, basically concerned with uh, cultural topics not only music but mm. somehow culture within a, a socio-political framework if you want yes so um, my um, my life continued 
until um, the early years of the uh, popular uprising. Mm-hmm. And later on, the civil war uh, mm-hmm. broke out and I had to leave the country in 2012. Yes, you talk about that in your interview with the Deutsche Welle, which was uh, which I had a look at earlier on again. Uh, it was interesting to see you, by the way, near the near the Rhine in Mannheim, where they shot mm-hmm. that video. It, was, it took me back. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I haven't been in Mannheim for almost eight months now, uh, like which mm-hmm. is the longest time I've been away in the past 11 years. Uh, yeah, it wasn't my idea, by the way, but anyway. Uh, yeah? It, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was, it, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, it's very, it's a really uh, nice interview and very touching. Mm. What you, what you addressed there, but uh, not to digress too much. You talk about how, uh, yeah, 2012, right, is when you. Yes. Um, yes. You want to take us through that journey? Sure. Sure. Um, at the very um, early stage of the popular uprising and uh, the early events of the Arab Spring. I was among the those who were very enthusiastic and uh, optimistic about the future of the region, mm-hmm. and I um, I always believed in in democracy as uh, an ultimate uh, form of uh, negotiation among um, members of society, mm-hmm. and I always yearned for freedom and for um, uh, self-actualization for every uh, individual, whether in Syria or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So um, I was emotionally engaged in the the social uh, movement uh, not necessarily, I don't want to cl- uh, claim that I was uh, involved or um, politically um, active, mm-hmm. but I was very much emotionally um, taken by the event. I can imagine. But then, the, because of the too much violence uh, and uh, things deteriorated and went south, and um, the situation um, has become very much difficult for me to to um, understand. Mm. So, and I also suffered um, disposition myself, displacement, let's say, because the the um, the army uh, broke into our neighborhood, and I have become internally a refugee right. for for some time. Mm. And during this uh, year, I only wanted to uh, seek a distance. I wanted just to uh, pull myself out of uh, this uh, concentrated uh, historical moment and be and hopefully I was hopeful to be able to understand what's going on. So I wasn't planning to leave the country for good, or to become um, um, in, uh, to live in exile. That wasn't uh, my plan or my wish. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to have a distance yeah. that might 
makes might makes me able to understand what's going on. So I left. Um, I went to Turkey to Istanbul. Mm-hmm. I took a flight, um, and I stayed there for for a year. During that year, the um, the situation in Syria has uh, exacerbated even more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to realize that uh, it is um, there is no way that I can really come back, uh, to, uh, to return to to Damascus. Um, and then, by by mere coincidence and um, good intentions and wills, um, I had a chance to perform in Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, for which I was granted um, a visa, mm-hmm. and I came to uh, have a series of uh, concerts. While the situation in Syria was getting even more and more dramatic, and uh, it turned to a bloody civil war, mm-hmm. so um, all the hopes um, of a um, uh, a, a, re, a near return, or the hopes of uh, coming back to join my family and uh, my friends, uh, was uh, evaporating very quickly. Do you remember how you felt at the time, at that first point of realization, the, that re, the point when you realized, oh, I can't go back right now? Do you remember how it made you feel? Well, um, you know, um, when you are under such enormous pressure, mm-hmm. um, you um, focus mainly on you are you are uh, your survival mode somehow yeah, is yeah. switched on. Yeah. So you tend not to reflect so much mm-hmm. about what's happening. Yeah. But rather trying to secure yeah. your life conditions as quickly as possible. Mm, I hear you. Um, take into account that when I left uh, Damascus, I wasn't uh, that young anymore. I was in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, as a musician, usually uh, these the 10 years between uh, to 25 to, to 35, or let's say the, 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 the third decade, uh, is crucial. For you to establish yourself uh, and to have a career. Indeed. So I had, I I I was very much uh, in panic uh, of losing that time uh, and uh, having to start from scratch mm-hmm. and um, in a completely new world and uh, in a comp- completely new circumstances. So I was very much on a on a survival mode, as I mentioned, and um, I was still very much emotionally um, attached and engaged in what is happening in in Syria. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is that uh, most of my uh, focus, most of my effort, went to um, reconstitute uh, a whole new identity based on the fact uh, uh, that I am 
displaced now. And uh, I didn't know how long it's going to take until I will be able to reconnect to uh, Damascus, to Syria. And uh, the whole, you know, it is, uh, those uh, events are, are like far bigger than our uh, life uh, spectrum or life span. Mm. So uh, you you tend you tend to feel yourself I'm like like as if you're um, a dust in the in the whole historical event and and um, you tend to focus on getting on with your life mm. and um, on the other hand as as I mentioned in that um, uh, little interview for me also was a um, an existential uh, traumatizing experience in a sense that I had to break break up with my comfort zone yeah and to um, be all on my own and that required uh, that I um, have to work on my personal development and Probably also to um, become more resilient as a human being, yeah. regardless to the uh, whether the, the the situation the will come back to normal uh, at any uh, time soon. So it is a more of a, an existential personal struggle that uh, took uh, its toll on me. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, uh, forgive me if I'm encroaching boundaries, but I mean, being in your 30s, the, the general trajectory of a musician and artist you refer to, you know, th th your 30s are like one of the most important parts of your career where you really need to get your shit together. That in itself mm. is so much to handle. Then being yeah. in the midst of that, additionally, what were your tools to cope the tools were in um, the tools were in um, they 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 were in that um, they were invented at the time. I mean that the, the, they were inventing themselves. Huh. Um, I I remember that um, it was a moment of um, um, of let's say, um, facing my own demons and realizing that sometimes um, having um, a lifestyle as a musician that suggests that you uh, it's enough for you to lock yourself in a room and practice for, for hours, mm -hmm. that will be um, a way to help you dealing with the world. Or mm -hmm. to be able to um, um, grasp the reality, and it turned to be uh, turned for me to be uh, um, a total uh, falsehood. You know, like it's uh, you're not going to solve your problems by merely practicing hours a day. Mm. So that was uh, a huge realization for me because I I grew up. Um, uh, as a musician, believing, and I mean, our our Russian teachers uh, came from the Soviet era, 
where uh, Soviet uh, musicians, uh, especially performers, used to be uh, instrumentalized um, as um, propaganda tools and they were sent to the international competitions to come back with uh, prizes. Right. And all what they had to do uh, in the 60s and the 70s is practicing hours a day. They didn't have to establish their own uh, career. They didn't have to um, have a network of connections. They didn't mm. have to... They didn't, have, they didn't really have to understand the real world. Yeah. Um, all what was um, asked uh, from them is to excel on their instruments. Right. And then they will be sent as instruments to uh, grab as many uh, awards, prizes as they can and come back mm. home. Mm. This kind of uh, artistic mentality or this kind of um, uh, musical approach, uh, whether towards music or towards career or towards life, seem to be uh, seem to me that is isn't any longer uh, isn't working anymore mm -hmm. and uh, i was i had to face reality for the first time and to understand that um in order to really uh, have a, f uh, a deep awareness of life it isn't only about uh, music but it's um, music, it can be one of the medium by which you can express yourself, but not a medium that you can, by which you can fully understand how the world is working. Indeed. So I started to focus more on uh, my personal growth rather than my artistic growth. And, Interesting. Uh, May I ask you? Uh, may I ask you how you went about that? Oh, that was um, that, when when you are uh, hit by uh, hard facts, uh, by traumatizing realities that you are uh, that you have become displaced, that you have become you 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 start to um, find a way out, mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't very much prone to to addictive substance, for instance, or to get lost in social party lives or, or whatever. And I didn't want also to um, use music as an escape. Mm. Rather, I want to, because I have, um, I'm a very um, intellect-oriented person, I, I, I tend to reflect and to contemplate um, that led me to be uh, deeply interested in um, uh, self-reflection, uh, contemplation, meditation, and trying to um, uh, have a genuine understanding of life uh, and to uh, get rid of all this um, uh, protections mechanism, you know, like you asked me about coping mechanism. I would say my coping mechanism led me to get rid of all this um, 
means of protection that I used to have mm. uh, when I was still uh, locked in my uh, practicing room, practicing hours a day. And it turned out to be fruitful for my own musical uh, development as well. Yeah. Because it set my um, musical expression free. And um, ever since, music has become something um, almost effortless mm -hmm. and very much natural to me. Mm -hmm. And it, I managed to dissociate music uh, from uh, being a coping mechanism as such. And to, 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 uh, in order to allow music to become fully uh, um, a way of self-expression, rather a way of um, um, combating your own uh, fears and your own demons. And your, it's, it, it has um, liberated music mm. somehow. So uh, to me. so approach to, to to approach that art from a space of love rather than fear. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A very nice way to put it. Yeah, it's it's the kind of journey most of us seem to um, uh, eventually come about. You know, most of us in the long haul, or most of us trying to keep, stay, you know, r remain curious and remain hungry. It's it's the kind of conclusion we eventually arrive to anyway. It's the realization of how much fear has played a role in our relationship with music. Because for a lot of us, music started off being an escape, right? Because it was medicine yeah. in a way. Yeah. And then when you take too much of the same medicine, at some point it doesn't work anymore. And which is when you realize, Absolutely. oh, you know what's going on here. So some, you know, this needs to change again. So that reorientation is seems to me is uh, something a lot of us artists seem to have in common reorienting and reassessing the entire thing but uh, that's the Absolutely. beauty of it all keep Absolutely. going man keep going what happens next and um well my journey uh in uh europe was um pretty smooth one mm -hmm. and um, I um, had a chance to uh, pursue my studies in Karlsruhe, um, southwest Germany, I guess. Yes, it's southwest yeah. Germany. Yeah. And uh, there I had my uh, master degree. Mm -hmm. And later on, <laughs> funny enough, even before I was, uh, uh, before, even before I obtained my master degree, I started also teaching nearby Mannheim. Yeah. That's how I uh, moved to Mannheim, and that's how our friendship uh, had started. Yeah, and um, I still and remember seeing you jog past my apartment to the gym. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was my almost daily uh, way to to the gym. Pretty Yogosh. much, yeah. And I was making my, I'd be, I'd, I'd be right out of bed making my coffee. I'm like, oh my god, Ali, you make me feel like a horrible person. I'm just, I'm just on my first coffee, man. You're already jogging to the gym. I still feel so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and as this, that Yumbush uh, neighborhood has become pretty much hype in Mannheim. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Mm. I, I mean, at this point, it's it's basically the new Kreuzberg, you know. So uh, wow, 
pretty much yeah i mean for for Mannheim standards of course it's w- way smaller it's barely yeah. rec- I, i can't recognize the place when i go there now it's it's pretty mm. but um sorry mm. i keep digressing sorry man you keep going. no absolutely i like the, those interjections um so um yeah i mean and and most importantly also um one of the one of the outcome of this um dramatic drastic change in my life or this uh, point of transformation that was uh, caused by the whole uh, Syrian um, uh, event uh, was that I also started to to, uh, compose uh, more uh, intensively and extensively as I used to uh, to do before. I I had uh, several uh, composing attempts when I was still in Damascus Uh, some of which uh, was uh, finalized and performed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I never really took a composition um, uh, s- that, um, I shouldn't say seriously, but rather saying um, I'd never really uh, considered composition as um, a major uh, uh, occu- preoccupation in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I, I I moved to Germany, and it's it's interesting because um, somehow um, I wanted to find uh, I wanted to record that inner voice mm-hmm. in me and uh, transmitted uh, transmitting it into uh, whether uh, music sheets or 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 into my laptop so. Um, then, uh, starting from 2015, um, I was composing almost every year. I produced a new piece, wow. and I was, as I always was, um, very much um, attached to the to solo violin. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this kind of, I, I, I even before I. Even before I started uh, composing, I always loved to play pieces for solo violin and accompanied uh, violin. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that um, this particular uh, medium, for me, it resembles um, being a poet. Wow. Very much like being a poet who is writing his own poem and reciting it by wow. her or by himself. I'd never thought of it that way. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, it's to be that's the, uh, you uh, alone on the stage uh, reciting your own verses. That's how I. That's why I find myself always attached to this particular genre. And the thing is that you, as an individual can really produce all that um, abundance of of uh, tones, uh, notes, musical ideas, expressions, has always fascinated me. Um, not to say that I didn't compose uh, for larger um, um, ensembles, constellations, like I, I wrote also for several um, constellations and groups but i really love that kind of 
uh, composing, but writing for a single violin. It hmm. fascinates me. Do you so I was. Uh, um, would you say that the. I mean, we are, are, I asked this because I remember us talking about it too. We're both kind of loners. We need our space. We need a lot of mm -hmm. times being spent. Uh, you know, it, it, we it, we prefer having the majority of our day being spent mm -hmm. on our own. I mean, which is why I remember having these conversations with you back in the day, which is why I'm uh, approaching it. Do you reckon it's a direct reflection of that, of of your personality type? Probably, probably, yes. And I, I'm still um, very much reconciled with this uh, part of me, myself and uh, um, at, at peace with it. Mm. And um, I think this is, um, this is how we are made. Yeah. And we, I always need that. There is always that solitary um, um, space if you want, within me. Yes. And somehow this solitary space corresponds to that solitary uh, existence on stage mm. and being um, by myself, uh, with myself, but at the same time fully connected and fully engaged with uh, the listeners. Mm -hmm. on the stage yeah so it's a it's a kind of as if you are connecting the two i mean if you're connecting that deep solitary uh space or um how to say um uh, cave mm -hmm. contemplation cave or meditation cave in yeah. you yeah. and the outer world and the social world yeah. and bring those two sides in you uh, together. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Me personally, I felt the most comfortable uh, in very like, like solo performances, solo works, mm. and really large ensembles like uh, in a, I don't know, a septet or a, like a big band or something where there are so many people, you kind of end up getting your own space anyways. Uh -huh. right. Um, right. Everything in between, where you know, where it's too too small to just kind of get lost in the crowd, or too mm. large to really be on your own, is very confusing for me. Like quartets or quintets for me, is very strenuous. <laughs> to Interesting. Have to, to have to deal with five individuals constantly. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah sometimes i feel as if i was I, I i'm i mean psychologically i'm much more like a writer rather than a musician i'm much more of uh, someone who uh, likes to work in a solitary setting mm. and um, i was forced by forces of destiny if you want to become a musician mm -hmm. so i always uh, feel that I am obliged to connect the two or to reconcile the two sides of me. This one solitary side um, mm -hmm. uh, that that um, corresponds much more with an with a writer art style um, lifestyle or or or, a, or like visual artist lifestyle, if you want. Mm 
mm-hmm. and that um, um, musicians li- lifestyle that requires much more of a, uh, a performative engagement and therefore much like more presence exactly expression yeah. and therefore requires um, much more of a collaborative and and social um, environment. Yes, I think that's another thing we have in common. Uh, I'm a mm. writer too. I actually like my current. I'm actually currently running a freelance writing business um, at oh, the yeah. moment. Yeah, it's uh, since I gave up my tenure uh, since uh, this month. That's been my primary source of income. Uh, I mean, freelance writing as a business is an entirely different beast. It's not always art. It's a very different kind of skill. But, and by the way, I love the way you 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 write in English. I I kind of uh, uh, I can't hide my envy of how eloquent and how beautifully you write and you express your thoughts and ideas. I always read and try uh, hard to learn. Well, that means you. a lot coming from you. That's a big compliment coming from you because you. I know you understand eloquence. I'm in deep envy of how you speak two of the world's most eloquent languages, Arabic and French. You speak French too, I remember. And um, both of those languages, they're, they're, they're just, you know, two of the most musical languages in the world. So, mm. so I, I think we're even. Very nice. But I share that mentality. I think it's, I can very much relate to it, that writer lifestyle is sometimes actually, yeah, kind of closer to my idea of an artist's life than the extroverted musician always out late you know hanging out post concert but um, mm. i keep i keep interrupting and making this about myself apologies man i want to respect your time as well so keep going yeah well um you know uh, to put it very uh let's say uh brutally honest um i never felt as self-reconciled as in as at peace with myself and um, as, um, as much as I do now. Awesome. And I never really played as good as I play now. I mean, the violin. Yeah. So without having so much of uh, glory or, or glare or flair in my life or stardom, if you want, or, or, or a magnificent career, I um, tend to be so much... I mean... It's it's um, music making has become so much fun mm-hmm. and so much effortless that I can do it um, naturally all the time and without much uh, of a uh, preparation or, or or thinking or it has become almost like breathing to me. That is really heartwarming. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's um, it has become almost like a fun thing to do. You tend to forget that this is also your way of making living or putting food on the table. So I really enjoy the outcome of those long years of sometimes struggle, sometimes enjoyment, sometimes uh, disappointment, and sometimes... Um, enthusiasm and, and ambition so um, it's a life that has been uh, worth living and worth walking towards if you want if if, if you if i put it really right i mean it's um, mm-hmm. it was the right path and um i really like to uh, 
keep on uh, and um, uh, be even better at what I do. Beautiful. Um, without necessarily being so much obsessed with it. I mean, it's, uh, excellence or, or getting better has uh, become something natural or it has its own engine somehow that is uh, pushing this process forwards. Mm. And um, music is no longer in my life. Rather, my life has, has become in music. Hell yeah. But I like the sound of that. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, uh, I'm not confined to music or, or, or somehow it's music has become life itself. It has extended my abilities to look at the world and grasp the world and embrace the world as well. There's no longer boundaries uh, between my musical practice, my artistic practice, or my intellectual writing, or my political view, or my day-to-day -day life. It has all become one somehow. Yes. And all flows in the same effortlessness and uh, natural rhythm and intonation. That's beautiful, man. That sounds like the ultimate redemption of sorts. Sounds like a very organic state of alignment, if that makes any sense. Yes, yes, that's how I feel. Yeah. And it's it's really wonderful feeling. I'm so happy for you, brother. So, um, to, to conclude, actually, I would say it's really good to be an artist. It's yeah. really good to be a musician. Beautiful. And uh, it's really good to be able to look to the world through the lens of of music or art or self-expression and still uh, be aware of how, how reality uh, can be tough, dire and unfair. Mm. But still, um, this is the only life we have. Yes. And therefore, it's it's our duty to make it as good as possible, and to have to make our day much better or less bad, mm. if you want, as much as we can. That would have been the perfect note to end on, and we are coming to the close of this conversation. But before I let you go, though, Ali, there is that one question I'm really interested in, which I'd like to approach with your permission. I remember you talking to me, uh, and you've mentioned on a few interviews too, in around 2016-17, about how Syria has become such an online community. The entire diaspora, having been spread out all over the world, had become a very virtual online community. And this was pre-COVID. Now, after the pandemic hit, and you know, these things become a reality for the entire world, how do you compare uh, it has become even more uh, obvious how uh, how um, the uh, foundation of uh, the internet or the cyberspace has uh, transform transformed uh, the whole uh, diasporic uh, experience. Mm. So, do you and think diasporic cultures were at an advantage when the pandemic hit? In a way, somehow. Um, its diasporic uh, experience has uh, become more of a, a common phenomena, if you want, mm -hmm. because uh, we all now tend to be, during the years of pandemic, uh, 
we um, each one of us, whether uh, talking about me as as someone who who was born and raised in Syria and now lives in in Europe, or anyone else, has experienced some sort of a diaspora mm. or an exile by being deprived of elementary human contact, yeah. and therefore totally dependent on on the online sphere mm-hmm. uh, to be able to connect with uh, with other individuals mm-hmm. so it's somehow the covid pandemic has confirmed how online sphere has transformed um, not only diaspora or but every every human experience yeah. is has been um, has become shaped by cyberspace. Yes. So, um, and this is, uh, of course, has um, huge advantages as well as uh, so many uh, implications and, and consequences Indeed. that are we facing on daily basis. Indeed. Uh, and some of these were also first uh, found, um, I mean, the early traces of, for instance, um, Echo chambers, or um, each one, uh, each group of um, online users yeah. uh, is confined to its own yeah. tribal society, if you want, or or, yep. or, or, or its own, has been also uh, experienced during the early uh, years of the Syrian conflict. Indeed, because I used to remember that we were so much divided that each party, as if it has its, its own Syria. So the whole idea of a, a nation state uh, was um, was disintegrating into um, a different versions of this nation state and what it means to be Syrian, and uh, that was um, very much obvious. And I, I at that time I was I couldn't realize that the Syrian experience, whether by creating this diaspora online or by having these early echo chambers will be applied to the whole universe or to the whole world mm. later on, especially in the 2016 and 17. Wow. So um, as if Syria was somehow a early um, experiment for so many, let's say, underlying conditions of the postmodern society. Wow. That is so well put. It's a little scary but also extremely interesting. And I guess we're all in this now together. Mm, mm, mm. That's very unfortunate. And um, to be honest, it's very difficult to remain uh, optimistic and hopeful um, in our time, despite the whole, the incredible achievements of uh, human civilizations and uh, whether in the well-being of uh, humankind or in science and technologies, but still the challenges uh, that we're facing Coming back to the to the pandemic um, has been revealed, and um, they are quite frightening, to be honest. And therefore, mm-hmm. I hope that we, as artists, we as musicians, we as individuals who are engaged in self-expression, could play a more active role—not a role that makes us escape mm-hmm. or trying to reflect some sort of a dystopian picture. Yes, thanks for saying that. Exactly. I mean, uh, but rather trying to uh, focus our efforts on some sort of a collective action. Yes. Yes, completely agree with you. I hope.
um, yeah. I would like to remain hopeful that this will be the case. Yes, amen to that, brother. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate it. Um, where is the best way to find you online and the best way to support your work, Ali? Well, I have my own channel on YouTube mm -hmm. as well as my Facebook account, which I keep for posting my music and my new pieces and uh, uh, new events. Mm -hmm. So I tend to um, remain economic as far as social media are concerned. Very intelligent. In order to, to maintain my <laughs> my mental health. Yeah, right, <laughs> and, there, right uh, there with you, brother. <laughs> keep, keep my ego in check. Yeah. So um, those are the two platforms that I uh, currently use. Excellent. Just FYI, we'll have all links to your channels on the episode notes for my listeners as well. I have one last question before we taper off. Please. The name of this show uh, has its roots in the Sanskrit word called tapasya. Mm -hmm. Loosely translated, a sacred fire wherein you burn away things you want to burn away. So if you were in front of a sacred fire today, what would you want to burn away? I want to burn away all my fears. Mm. Yeah. If I can. Sounds about right. Yes. Thank you for answering that. Oh, I, I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you, like like always been. Before. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, it's it's really been a while, and it's an absolute pleasure and an absolute honor have caught up with you again thank you for sharing that story of yours so vulnerably and so honestly and i'm uh, certain my listeners are gonna be very 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 uh well if if their experience is anything like mine they'll be very touched and be listening up to this story because i think everyone needs to listen to it oh i i'm i'm, I'm happy to hear that and uh and uh, hope to talk to you soon uh maybe offline yeah absolutely someday. Absolutely. In, in Berlin, maybe. Definitely. On that note, FYI, I'm going to stop the recording so we can say goodbye offline. Gratitude from the bottom of my heart for listening to the very end. Please consider taking a minute to subscribe to our show so you know when the next episode is out. This is a labor of love, one I hope snowballs into one that's sustainable in its attempt to support independent thought and authentic relating. And having you as a regular member of our audience is what makes that a realistic prospect. Much love and talk soon. Just another voice out